GoLongTD.com, humanizing pro football journalism. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Favre, our new show at GoLong. I'm here with the legend, the icon, three-time MVP, pro football Hall of Famer, for my money, and it's not even close, the greatest player in Green Bay Packers history. I mean, even the, the, the franchise itself has, has changed because of this man you're looking at right now. Uh, Brett, it's awesome to be here with you. I'm stoked. You really, uh, you know, you represent everything that we're, we're trying to be a go long, right? This is real pro football, the good, the bad, the ugly, football in the raw. You wore your emotions on your sleeve your entire career. And, uh, we're just going to get, get into some old stories. We'll follow the NFL, you know, as it as it moves along here, and I'll, I'll get into what the show will look like here in a second. But how in the hell are you, man? Good to see you. I'm good. I'm good. I I, I enjoy working with you. I don't know how many years ago it was you came down here. You you would know exactly, but we spent some time together. Um, really like you. Like like. Uh, I mean, you you got great knowledge, but you make it fun. I mean, there's there's a lot of people with great knowledge that. Don't know how to, you know, to, to get that across or, or have a terrible personality. You're, you're not that type of guy. Uh, you also work with an, an old crony of mine, Bob McGinn, who, uh, I can't tell you how many times we sat in a dark corner and <laughs> asked out what happened in the game. Uh, but, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. You know, I, I love the game. I have to admit, I don't pay as much attention at 53, soon to be 54, as, as I did when I first left the game, understandably so. I think as you get more distant from it, and I can't speak for all retired players, but it's like it almost seems like I didn't play. Now, that's, that may sound strange, but the more I, I removed I get, and the more the game changes and the new faces, and I don't really remember, you know, is I, I see one of the trainers run out, like Kirk Fielding for the Packers. And I go, oh, and Kirk, yeah, I know Kirk. But the rest of every, everyone else, is, and, and it's just the, the more distance it gets, the, the less active I am with, with football. So it would be nice to kind of get back into it a little bit. And all, there's a lot going on with the Packers. We hope good, but I, like most people, I don't know what to expect. Have zero clue what, what to expect. I think there's, I don't know if there's, I would say there's higher expectations than there should be. I, 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 I'm not saying that, but there's so much unknown. You don't know where to place them. You know, I, you're right. And we're, we're going to follow the 2023 Packers, Jordan Love, you know, taking the reins from the quarterback who took the reins from you. So, you know, you have some intimate knowledge, uh, with what this could be like for Jordan Love. And we'll follow the games, you know, and, and the NFL. But, and we talked about this a little bit, Brad. I, I really want this show to kind of be bigger than just your typical former player breaking down the games. Like, let's get into old some story issues. Yeah, old yeah. stories, but I mean, you always bared your soul. I, I think that's why people could relate to you, Brett. Like we all saw part of ourselves in you 
ripping the helmet off, running around the field, playing for the love of the game. Um, you know, the emotions involved, like all the injuries that you went through in those 321 straight starts. It's insane. We'll get into those. The, the tears. I mean, we can picture you in 99 after a comeback, you know, getting emotional at a press conference, playing right after you lose your dad. I think that just struck a chord in, in anybody who has a soul. And then obviously one of those retirements mixed in there. Uh, it, your, your entire career, we, we've never seen a Brett Favre. We'll never see another Brett Favre again. So, um, it's an honor. This is going to be a lot of fun. And, and yeah, we'll get into those bigger issues. Like, you know, both get into painkillers, concussions in the NFL, um, the NFL itself, the direction of the game. It's your, your life and your career. I, I really mean it. I don't think we'll see another Brett Favre with as real as you were out there. It was special. It was different. And this show is going to be interactive. Like I, this is the first episode that we're doing. We'll, we'll try to make it bi-weekly through the season. I want to bring on our VIP subscribers, give them a chance to hang yeah. out with Brett Favre, well, let them ask you some there. questions. Some of my fans and old fans and uh, hear what they have to say. That'd be awesome. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Hell, maybe we can even get a Ron Wolf on here, a Leroy Butler. Let's uh, get, get the old get crew back. Done. Yeah, we can get that done. <laughs> and as always, I mean, this show is 100% fueled by Go Long subscribers, Go Long readers. Um, we want to remain just fiercely independent and and keep it as real as possible. So. Brett, thanks again. You're welcome. This is going to be a good time. You know, I think first off, though, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of address, obviously, you know, since, since we've gotten together down there in Mississippi in 2014, a lot's, a lot's happened and well, not, not all good. A lot's been said about you. Do you want to say anything about that with what's going on in Mississippi, the allocation of funds? Just want to give you the floor, the opportunity yeah, to address well, anything would, that, that you can address down those lines. As you and I talked prior to starting the show, what I could and couldn't talk about, there's a gag order in place that the judge uh, placed well, maybe a month and a half, two months ago, which is good, but it's also bad. It was good because there was a lot of – and it's all – the gag order is only for people who are involved in the, the lawsuit. I'm involved in a civil lawsuit, uh, here in the state. Um, uh, and, um, uh, it's sad. It really is because I would never do what I'm accused of, of doing. Um, but I can't talk about it at the moment due to this gag order. Um, I don't know when that will. Be lifted. Believe me, as soon as it's lifted, uh, we can talk more in depth about it. But I hope people know, especially people who know me, I know they know this. I would never do what the accusation state, uh, I've done. So I'll leave it at that. And, and when the, this gag order is lifted, we'll, we'll touch on it more. Sounds good, Brett. You know, you can. Always get into anything that you want down those lines here. And you know, I want this is going to be a football show. Uh, we're, we're going to talk about your career. Here's some old war stories. The 2023 Packers, 
this NFL season. And like I said, try to take on some bigger issues. So, you know, when we put this episode out, people can tune in weeks, months, years down the line and, and, and learn something that maybe they didn't know before. So we've got to start at the start though. It is quite a time in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Jordan Love taking over as the starting quarterback. We probably should reverse engineer us, uh, I, because, you know, I imagine you're probably getting some flashbacks to when you took over. Green Bay was a much different place then than it is right now. But let, let's start with your exit, because I think that a lot's been made about the similarities between, all right, 2008, moving to Aaron Rodgers, 2023, going to Jordan Love, but I don't know. I don't really think it's apples and apples. Like there, there are some nuances. Yeah, there, there are some distinct <laughs> differences. Uh, first yeah. of all, Aaron, Aaron never retired. Uh, but I think he's contemplated it in the, in, in the thought was out there in the public that he may leave for, you know, at least a couple of years. You, you know, the, when they drafted Aaron, I don't know what most people thought. I, I, that was the first quarterback we drafted in the first round since I had taken over. I, I knew at some point I would be either quarterbacking somewhere else or not quarterbacking at all. In other words, my career would come to an end in Green Bay at some point. I knew that. When they drafted Aaron, I was, I had really no, I don't want to say I wasn't, I was, I wasn't upset. Didn't, didn't know a whole lot about Aaron uh, other than they thought enough of him to draft him. And that's fine. Um, he was with me for three years. We had a good relationship. We watched film together. He, when he would ask if he could watch film with me or pick my brain, he, he was always a heck of a lot smarter than I was. I mean, um, but I would help him out. And with each of those three years, as it, as it ended, obviously the end of the third year, I was, I was either going to go somewhere else or not play there at all. That was pretty obvious. And I, and I was okay with it. I think the misconception was with the front office that I wasn't okay with it. I, I was not okay with how, they handled it. Now I think we both could have handled it different, differently. And I think that's why Peyton Manning in, in the Colts parted ways in a civil manner. And, and I kind of opened the door for how to, how to do it the right way. Uh, you know, you got to keep in mind in my best year statistically in 16 years with Packers was my last year. 2007. That, that didn't bode well for their, the front office's cause. You know, at some point, and I think the same, here's where some of the similarities maybe lie. You draft a kid in the first round, at some point you got to see what he can do. And Aaron is still at the top of his game, so it's not like they go, well, his better days are behind him. But you got to figure his, from a year, although players play longer, it seems like now, Due to rule changes and things like that, it's not uncommon for a 40 year old to be starting, especially a quarterback. So 
Aaron's probably got as many good years as he wants. But at some point, you got to find out what your young kid can do. And, um, and that's, that's what the Packers did this time, aided by Aaron's departure or wanting to depart. You didn't go into a darkness retreat that offseason? No. no. No, I, again, Aaron's a hell of a lot smarter than I am. So maybe I should have. Maybe, uh, Ted Thompson and I should have gone in there together and hatched out a, a way to do this. The a right. co-darkness retreat with Ted. That would have probably solved everything. <laughs> yeah. God rest his soul. You know, Ted and I go way back. Now I know he's passed on, but we, we reconnected, which I'm so thankful we re- reconnected after I left over several years. In fact, I tell you, when he was inducted into the Packer Hall of Fame, I saw him that day uh, and had a great conversation with him. And uh, we hugged. And I had a tremendous amount. Well, I used to drink beer with Ted across the street at the 50-yard line. Uh, my first five, well, and up until he left. We would, me and Mark Schiefelbein, who was one of the PR guys, Kurt Fielding, who's still a trainer there, Ted Thompson, and a couple other guys, we'd always sit and have a beer or two over 50-yard line. What and was that? This is probably 92, until he left with home. I think he left with Holmgren, 98 or 9, went to Seattle. I don't think people really know that. So you had, you had just this great relationship with Ted. Through the Great 90s, through your heyday. Yeah. yeah, you know, once Ted took over as GM, he didn't, it's not that Ted really changed, but his job title changed and, and he had to, he couldn't really hang out with the, the players because he may have to cut them the next day. So, you know, and I got that, but we always had a great relationship up until the last year. And it wasn't a relation. It wasn't a bad relationship. It wasn't a relationship. Period. Uh, every year, when he became GM at the end of the season, when the last game was played, the next day, he would always look me up somewhere in the locker room and say, "Look, you know, we want you back. You know, that goes without saying. Go home, decompress. Don't think about football. We want you back. So, uh, you know, we'll reconvene later." After the last game, we lost to the Giants. Crickets. The next day, I never saw Ted. He didn't call. He didn't text. Uh, so I knew something was different. Uh, you know, if he was wanting to go in a different direction, all he had to do was tell me. Because had I chosen to play again later down the road like I ended up doing Mutually, we could agree on an exit plan. And I wouldn't have been like, I can't believe the Packers won't, don't want me back. I got it. I kind of, I kind of was ready to move on. Even though I had a great year that year, uh, just, and I loved the fans, loved them before, loved them then, loved them now. It wasn't about that. Probably a crushing it, loss. I mean, that it, NFC it was, championship loss was, it was a crushing loss, but. Brutal. And no one can understand this. Aaron can understand it because we have had this conversation. I was in my 16th year. I just finished my 16th year with the Packers. 
But when I looked around the locker room or the team meeting or getting dressed for practice or game day, coming in, doing the same routine I always did, I looked, I would find myself looking around and I would go, I don't know any of these guys. I knew them. But there's something different about the guys you came in with as opposed to, I guess the best way I could put it was when I looked around the room, I knew I was the oldest and longest tenured person in the room, but I felt like the odd man out. I felt like the, the outsider. New management, new coaching staffs, they have their guys. They have their, you know, ways of wanting, wanting to, like with McCarthy, who I have a good relationship with now. We talk every so often. Thank the world of him. Trying to institute, even though the offense kind of was the same, he wanted to bring in a lot of his new ideas and stuff, which is good. I think, I think they were good, but it's kind of hard to teach an old dog new tricks. You know what I mean? So a fresh start for him, he could start from day one. Here's what I like to do. With me, there were times where I would say, why don't we do this, Mike? And he's like, you're trying to change my whole damn offense. I got it. Or I I get it. I get it. Uh, It's easier to teach a new guy your, you know, your way of doing things. But still, uh, you were unbelievable in, in, in 2007, right? I mean, you were. It was my best year. Second event, MVP voting. You're at the, your best year in, in Green Bay. Again, that doesn't away from really. The Super Bowl. That, that wasn't Aaron Rodgers last season. That wasn't the Packers last season. It was a different story. So I get, so when you, when you decide, I should say you, you took a month, right? So the season ends. Um, and a month later, I want to say Mike McCarthy reached out. And you were still kind of uncertain about what to do. Yeah. So the exit, the the day after the loss. And and again, this is another thing that people can't understand. Uh, As a player, an older player in year three, when we lost to the Cowboys, maybe it's year two, my second year with the Packers, we lost to the Cowboys in the playoffs. I think we beat Detroit on that great finish. But I think we went to Dallas next week in, a, in the first round. That was a wild card game, I believe, the Detroit game. So the next week, I think we played at Dallas. We lost after the game. Well, the next day, I kind of forgotten about it. I was, I, I could have played again. You know, it, it, was, it was a different mindset. I was devastated, but you, you don't really dwell on it. Fast forward. To the year 16, you lose a heartbreaking game, the championship game, might I add, at home. I had my good moments, had my bad moments, but the, the bottom line was it was a loss. And, and I, I didn't handle a loss as well as I did in early years. It wasn't going away soon. So the, the next day, Mike finds me and says, look, Go home. He said all the right things. I'm not going to bother you till right before the draft, which was probably a couple of months away. Uh, that was what mid uh, 
mid to late January, I think, that game. So he said, prior to the draft, I'll call you. We'll see where you are if you want to come back. Well, if it was two months, he called a, a month out. And I could sense that he was kind of pushing for an answer. I wasn't ready to answer. I was, I was still, the, the loss was still, it was a fresh wound. And, and I knew that that was going to probably linger. And I always, I always use this as an example because this is what people can relate to. Remember back when you were in school, first through 12. It's just say you're in a ninth grade. A month from school being over. So like for us, school was over end of May. About May 1st, started counting the days down. You couldn't wait to get out. I, for me, it was to play baseball and, and prepare for the next football season, but also be out of school. So you count the days down. School's over. You go into summer. Everyone's doing their thing, loving life. About two weeks prior to school starting back, you're kind of ready to go back. New classes, new year, maybe some new friends, new football season. Everything's new and fresh. So the two weeks couldn't get there quick enough. That's the way it was for me in football. I'm not in <clears throat> one difference is I wasn't ready for the season to be over. I wanted to go all the way. When we didn't, it was heartbreaking and it and stuck with me. It, I, I live with it. But then about June, I started kind of getting the itch again. The itch. And that was the, case the legendary I, itch. <laughs> yeah. And that was the case. And I told Mike that and I know he could understand that, but that's not what he wanted to hear. So with, he said, well, I'll, I'll call you back in a month. Well, two weeks later, he called me and he said, look, I kind of need an answer. Well, I wasn't obligated to give an answer one way or the other. I was under contract. I could have said, I'm not telling you anything. I'll tell you the day before training camp, which would have been unfair for them, but also for me. And I wouldn't do that. So two or three conversations, uh, we had probably a third or fourth conversation right prior to the draft, I think. He said, well, I need to know. And I said, well, if you're asking me if I can commit right now, I can't. I can commit 30% or 50%, but that I don't want to play that way. You don't want me to play that way. So if you want an answer right now, I'll tell you I'm not playing. So he took that as a retirement. And uh, next thing I know, the f- next day I was on a private plane Green Bay to do a press conference. Uh, but then but late you're not May, being, but you're not being held against your will. So there part of you probably was a little ready for oh, the time. time I felt it like felt that so was real fun. that press conference. Yeah, I, I felt like I, I didn't feel like there was a big relief off my shoulders, like I thought I should have. So when I left, I did the press conference in Vienna and I got back on the plane right away and we were flying home. And she said, how do you feel? And I said, I don't know if that was the right thing to do, but you know, that was a big deal. So how do you retract that? So I said, you know, you're on the right cover now, sports I'm illustrated. Okay. It's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, 
you know, from, from that flight back with each day, I kind of felt like, well, because every off season is like a retirement anyway. You go home, you kind of get away from football, you get a little bit, you know, get refreshed. Whether you want to go back and play or not remains to be seen, but it's kind of a, cause like you could ask me two months after every season, how's it feel to be retired? And I would, I would laugh and say, well, it feels good. But then come May, June, it would get boring. So I kept, I thought, I thought I kept thinking about that on the flight back and with each day that passed after that press conference that what happens if I get the itch? How do I, how do I overturn all this? Uh, you know, a lot has happened that won't be easy to, to fix. And sure enough, come late May or June, I, I kind of thought, you know, I had my best year. Uh, I had my best year just this past year. Do I want to get Part of me wants to go out like that. The other part of me goes, let's see what else I can do. So I – sorry about that. Anyway, so uh, – I mean, so you felt it, though, with a flight back right after – It didn't feel – it didn't feel right. Yeah. And that's the best way I can put it. But come May or June, I started thinking about what I left on the table. That, you know, you never guarantee the next year um, – you never guaranteed you'll play as well as you did the previous year, but I played pretty dang good. And I, I kept thinking, I think I got a little, a little juice left in the tank. So my good friend, uh, James Campen, who was my center in my first two years, was also the line coach at the time. He married me. His wife is from Metairie, Louisiana, so an hour and 20-minute drive from here. I think it was late May. He reached out to me and said, hey, we're in New Orleans visiting my in-laws. I thought about it. I'm bored stiff. You know, I need, I need a break. you mind if I drive up? Bullshit a little bit. I didn't think anything of it. I said, yeah, come on up, James. We rode around the property. We shot at snakes. We... We shot the bull. He said, hey, how? how Shoot at snakes. Like, you're shooting a gun at, like, rattlesnakes and stuff? Oh, yeah. We rode around back in the swampy areas. And I said, let's go see. I I didn't think he had any motive whatsoever. We just bullshitting old teammates, telling stories, laughing. Finally, he said, how's retirement? I go, about the same as it is any other mate. You know, you're off. Well, you get an itch. Are you thinking about playing? I go, it's crossed my mind. Again, I'm not thinking anything of it. And he says, you mind if I tell Mike? Then I thought, uh, he, maybe he was kind of sent to explore what I'm, what I'm thinking. So I said, no, I don't care if you tell Mike, which I didn't care. I am, I, I have thought about it. So it wasn't like, Two days later, I get a call from Mike and we, we were on the phone probably an hour, maybe longer. I probably spoke for five minutes. He ran it and raved about 
what this did for the team and how the dynamics would change. They had already moved in a different direction. And I said, Mike, I get it. I think I held my composure fairly well. I said, I get it. I'm not sure if I will play. But why don't you just let me go? Let me out of the contract. Whether I play or not remains to be seen. But you move in a different direction. I'm okay with that. And I was. Well, that would be public suicide. And I go, not if we mutually agree. And from there, it just it snowballed into something way bigger. Where it is kind of similar, to backtrack a little bit, Brett, I wonder with your situation and everything that happened this past, right, February, March, you know, if, if, if Mike McCarthy, Ted Thompson were vocal, calling you up, telling you loud and clear, we want you back. Like we were that close to the Super Bowl. Let's run it back, baby. Let's go. Your feelings would probably change. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe yeah, you still would have been time. that way. If they would have been that way right after the game. So the next day we have an exit meeting. We have a team meeting and you meet with your individual coaches. Uh, say your goodbyes on stuff, then you're free to go. Had they, the day after, had they said, look, we understand you need time. We're willing to give you time, but we, we're so close. You played the best you've ever played as a Packer, statistically speaking. There's no reason to think that that's not the case anymore. Only if you don't want it to be, but know that from us, we're all in. Go take two, three, four months. Don't worry about the first mini camp. It was mini camps at the time. Don't worry about the first mini camp. Take a, take, take, take a break. We don't need you there. And then we'll reconvene. We're not drafting the quarterback in, in the draft. We got one if you don't play. So we're not in dire need of knowing before the draft. So come May, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll start talking about it. Well, by, by that time, I started getting itch again. I, of course I would have. Um, because I, my whole reason for wanting to come back was to win a championship, another one. Um, and we were so close. I definitely would have taken that chance. So maybe all along, they kind of wanted to turn the page to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, otherwise, why, why wouldn't you just come out? And be so gung ho. Cause I get the same feeling here where, you know, everything Bob McGinn reported at, at our site, like Green Bay is ready to move on to Jordan Love. That was February 17th, uh, that they were disgusted with Aaron Rodgers. They believe in Jordan Love, but I don't know the conversations between Packers management and Aaron Rodgers obviously wasn't that it wasn't like we are ready to move on. It's, it's a delicate situation is I guess what I'm trying yeah. to say. I feel like in both situations, the management is trying to kind of be in that relationship. It's not you. It's me. Let's figure out. Let's filibuster. Let's let this drag. And then, okay, here's your press conference. Retire. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, uh, when, when Aaron came in, I got hurt at Dallas that year. Um, right. Aaron came in and played exceptionally well. That was kind of the convincing to me. Was convincing to them that, okay, we're okay. Similar we're to there. Jordan Love against Philly. You know, not a, as 
as much action, but they probably had the same yeah. kind of feeling. I would, I would say very similar that, okay, he's not Aaron Rodgers yet. Will he be? He, there's potential to be hit his version of Aaron Rodgers, which could be really good. But I think with Aaron and I, we, we both, one thing that to keep in mind, we each won a championship. Based on the statistics, you would think we would have won much more. And I, I would agree. So my, I guess my point is being prolific statistic wise, and Aaron was way more prolific than I was, but being prolific in statistics doesn't always equate to championships. It's about winning and winning the right games. Aaron goes without saying. I mean, there's enough, you can't say enough superlatives about his play. But the bottom line is he won the same amount of championships as I've won. It's not out of the realm of possibility that Jordan could be not as statistically huge as both of us. But in his own right, he could win more championships and be less prolific. That's very likely. So as a fan, what do you, what do you like more? The six touchdowns and 30 for 35 passing, uh, 321 straight starts. He was always there. He was enthusiastic. Uh, you know, or do you want someone who gets his fourth, like Eli Manning is a good example. Prolific, not so much. His brother, yes. But they won the same amount of championships. You know, so you can, you can be really good and not be as prolific. That could be Jordan. But again, we don't know. But what a little bit we've seen of him didn't, what I've watched, I didn't say, uh, he, I, what I've seen is there's potential. And that's all that you're asking for as an, as a, as a fan. And as management, like we, we went out on a limb. We drafted this kid in the first round. We want to see potential. And I think we've seen that. Did Green Bay make the right decision as we sit here? I think time, time will tell, but I think it was time to move on and, and nothing against Aaron's play because the kid was still lighting it up. Now it wasn't as prolific a year as he's had in the past. But it was, it kind of got stale. That's the best way I could put it. Same with me, I guess. I had talked about retiring previous years, have, have retired, uh, once before. Uh, and you know, when you start doing that, you got one foot in the parking lot. Uh, or at least that's the way people look at it. Is he all here? As soon as you have a bad game. Well, was he thinking about mowing his grass? Yeah, who knows? Uh, but Aaron had been talking about it for a couple of years as well. And that kind of plants the seed that it's time to move on uh, or expedites the talk. But like, so you, you got that itch. You want to play. You get on the plane. You land. I was actually at Austin Straubel International Airport. I was interning at the Shawano Leader and the Packer Report at the time. Um, you know, I was still in college, just wanted to be out there at Packers training camp. 
I, I think I thought what everybody did. Brett Favre is physically here in Green Bay. Of course he's going to get his job back. Right. When, when you're there, is that, is that your thought process too? Are you, are you thinking, okay, cause you had the conversation with Mike on the phone, but now you're there. Yeah. Aaron yes, is getting good yes at family no. night. All the fans want you. Yeah. Well, the fans were great. Here's the thing. The, the answer to that question is yes and no. Yes, I was going back to play with the Packers. But when, and the fans were great. There was no reason to think the fans didn't want me because they gave me an unbelievable, uh, welcoming back, uh, response. But when they changed the code to get in the building without telling me, when I was going into the building and the code didn't work, Doug Collins, good friend of mine, head of security, said, hey, the, the head coach wants to see you. I'll come down and escort you up. Now, I'm still, keep in mind, I'm a Packer. But I certainly didn't feel like it. I felt like a visitor. That I and Doug said, "Hey, don't talk to any players walking up. You just come straight on up, and I'll come down and meet you." Uh, right away, I was like, "I'm not playing here." Even if they, if Mike says, "We'll take you back," but but I'm not going. I'm not going to play where I'm not wanted. Now, the fans were a different story, but the management, how could you go work every day looking over your shoulder? I never did that in my whole career. Wondering, they were waiting for me to screw up so they could go, ah, 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 put the next guy in. I didn't get a, a great response from the management when I got there. Now, it's all about business. I get it. And I, I addressed it. That day, like I did previous on the phone with Mike, won't you just let me go? Let's, we'll go down and do a joint press conference right now and just say, we've agreed to part ways. Brett's been wonderful for us. He's been an outstanding player, ambassador for the team, all, whatever you want to say. And I'll say, it's been a hell of a run. I love every minute of it. Appreciate the management. We've just said all the right things. And, and just go our separate ways. And I made the comment a little bit later because it, it, it got heated a little bit. And again, it's business. I, I, I can't say that I was right. I think we, we both had our set of wrongs, how we did things. But one of the comments I made to Mike, I said, so I, I'm not good enough to play for you, but I'm too good to play against you. And he was like, well, I don't see it that way. And I go, well, why don't you just let me go? Because then you may end up in our division. Which is, I go, I mean, well, at that point, you just want a human instinct takes over and you want to prove them wrong. Right. I think even everybody was concentrating on that now. Like that's human nature. Human like, nature. You don't want me? Let's go. Yeah. And, and I, when I went back that day, the flight up to Green Bay was, the longest flight ever. I was like, because I already sensed that they were ready to move in a different direction, but I had to show up in, in Green Bay, according to Roger Dell, for them to act on anything. 
So in order for them, they had 24 hours to make a trade, get me to stay or get me to stay retired. They had 24 hours. Once I set foot on the, uh, the facilities, and I don't know if that rule is still in effect or whatever, but I couldn't stay at home and try to get it resolved. I had to show up to, to push the envelope. That was a long, I knew that they were ready to go in a different direction. I was fine with that. I keep, I, I, you'll hear me say that over and over again because I wasn't totally committed to the Packers at that point. Anyway, I, I really felt like I could play, but there was a lot of unknowns. I, I didn't want to play for management that, that didn't particularly want me, but what's the alternative? Where, where do I play? And that, that was a lot of unknowns. So I, you know, the change of scenery is good. And I think Aaron, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, all will speak volumes like it got so status quo that it got boring, redundant, and monotonous. And so a new meeting room, a new drive to the facility, new players, new coaches, just you kind of reinvigorated. But there's also that like when you show up to class for the first time in college and you don't know anybody, you kind of, you know, the hair on the back of your neck or your arms are standing up because you're nervous, you're apprehensive, you don't know what to, you're, you're afraid to speak because you, you don't want to be, sound like an idiot. All those play, play into changing venues and playing somewhere else. You know, where am I going to stay? Am I going to rent a house? Am I going to buy one? What about the kids in school? Do, do we find a good school? Do they stay at home? You, you know, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns that some are good, some are bad. So that was all in my head as I was flying up. Like, okay, I'm not going to play here. And then I think once I got there, it was just solidified my decision. I was not going to play there. Even though Mike said, you can challenge for the job. You can compete for the job. And I said, well, I don't mind doing that, but I don't mind playing for someone who doesn't particularly want me anymore. But it feels like they have to give me a shot or will take me if need be. It all feels like yesterday. I mean, this is a long time ago. The the emotions that Packer fans felt then and everybody listening and watching this, it it probably does feel like yesterday because, I mean, hell, obviously, you're with the Jets. I think you were eight and three. Then you tear your biceps. So that that season really could have taken on a we were a nine, and three. nine. We and were three. nine and three. I, I just played exceptionally well against New England on Thursday night football. We won an overtime. I think. I think a week before that or two weeks before that, we went to Tennessee, and they were either undefeated or close, and I just had one of the best games of my career. I threw six touchdowns against the the Cardinals. The only time in my career I did that. So, so I was feeling pretty good. And then I I don't know when I tore my bicep, but somewhere in that season I tore my bicep, and I couldn't I couldn't hit that. There's a door right in front of me, five yards away. Sometimes I could hit the door. Other times I would hit the the frame. Yeah. And that's the way I played from that, that point on. So 
it was good until that, you know, that happened. So roundabout way though, to, to get to the Vikings, get that opportunity to, to face Green Bay, beat him twice. I think I saw at one point Ted like texted you after both of those games too, yeah. right? Yeah. Very nice message. Uh, and McCarthy and I had a good conversation. It was quick, but right after the game on the field, I mean, I, those two games, considering, I mean, I was more nervous in those two games than both Super Bowls combined. Really? That's how, that's how much I wanted to play lights out. A lot of times when you, when you put that much pressure on yourself, it seems to have an adverse effect. But for me, I mean, I kept trying, just stay calm, stay calm. This is pregame warm-ups, you know, just try to act calm, cool, collective. The whole time I probably was acting like a spaz, you know, because I was so nervous. I wanted to play so well to prove to them that I still had it. And failing in either of those games or both of those games would just solidify their reason for letting me go. Um, so I ended up playing, I couldn't have asked for two better performances. And everyone was like, go over there and tell them, kiss your, you know what? And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. You know, cause, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be a sore loser. I don't want to be a sore winner. So I, I said the right things. I, you mean, I, Mike and I had a good conversation. It was real brief. And he said, great job. I said, Hey, I really appreciate it. Enjoy playing with you. Um, best of luck from here on out. But man, when you, when you're walking out of the visitors tunnel, which is unbelievably narrow, right? At Lambeau, yeah. it's, it's, it's the, the smallest tunnel by design that, uh, players could probably walk through. And then you're hearing those boos. You're hearing things that. Which, I mean, do you, do you still remember that moment? It had to have been unbelievable that you kind of helped build this. Like the, the renovations to Lambeau Field happened because of Brett Favre. And these people yeah. worshiped you. I mean, they, they, they grew up watching every play of every game and you, you were a, a deity in, in the state and beyond. Um, yeah, I remember it vividly. It had, it had I... to have been. Yeah, to drive up from Appleton, you know, for 16 years, I knew that other teams stayed in Appleton, and that's about a 30-minute drive, give or take, on up. And my my drive from my house was half a mile. Um, so driving up, the closer you got to Green Bay, the more you saw uh, people tailgating on the side of the road. And they were burning Favre jerseys. They were, they had caskets with, you know, dolls of me in it. And we'll never forget you, Brent. Uh, t-shirts. I mean, it, and the whole ride up, it was fairly quiet on the bus. I sat in the very back, very back on the left by myself. And the whole ride up, as we started getting into people, they was, the guys were standing up looking back, like, I guess to see my response. And that made me even more nervous. But once we got to the stadium and went in through the visitors 
and we did everything as a visitor. I did everything as a visitor. The locker room was small. I knew what the other locker room was like. I never yeah. spent any time in the visitor's locker room or went out that tunnel. I never went out that tunnel. I heard booze my whole career when we played the Vikings, if we played Detroit or Chicago or other teams. They'd point and red lasers in their eyes in the Metrodome, right? Yeah. And I would uh wonder what that was like. I mean, I'm like, how intimidating is this place to an opponent? Never thinking that I would be that at one point. And as I really got a taste of it, and when it really hit me was when I was halfway out the tunnel when people leaning over could start seeing me come out. And the the nervous energy it was just building at a fever pitch until I ran out once I got out of the tunnel and the booze just were intensifying. And I go, this is what it's like. It was intimidating. Very intimidating. Probably, I mean, to look in the eyes of some of those fans walking through the tunnel probably was almost like visceral, demonic. Like they yeah, wanted you to know, fight and, you. And the thing is, I never looked at it. I felt angry. Like, these, I can't believe that they're turning on me. I don't, I never looked at it as turning on me because I don't think that that was. They were, I was the opponent. And I was in that way of, you know, winning another game. And I did, you know, I think towards the end of the game when we, we knew we were going to win, a fair amount of cheers I heard. Uh, I think that out of respect, which was really good to, to feel. Mm-hmm. And then coming back, you know, years later, uh, as a Hall of Fame member for the Packers, that, that was incredible. Cause I was nervous. That was the first time back since that game. I mean, I remember sitting down with you at your place in, in Mississippi and that was October of 2014. Uh, it was scheduled at that point for that following summer that you were going to get into the Packers Hall of Fame, yeah. get your number retired. But I can remember seeing it in your, in your, in your face, Brett. Like you didn't know where this was going to go still. Yeah. How I mean, I was like, well, I hope it was that they give me a, a rousing. Awesome cheer. I didn't know what to expect. I thought this could go one of two ways. But all that being said, Packer fans were true to form like they always are, and they showed a tremendous amount of class and respect. Um, and I, I couldn't have asked for a better response. I really couldn't. I mean, 70 some thousand people where there's no game. It was hot for Green Bay. It was hot. And, uh, I mean, when I walked out, I, I thought maybe it was 20,000, but all, the stadium was almost full and it was cheering so loud. I mean, it was amazing. To go from what you experienced, what you heard, what you felt in 2009 when you're walking through to with it, I guess it had been 2015. It had to have been just crazy because I mean, it's it's not that big of a gap. I mean, did you have the flashbacks to the booze and and how did it feel to know okay, things are right again here. They love me. Yeah, I mean, 
again, I, I, I really didn't know what to expect in both situations. Going back as an opponent playing in Lambeau, then going back as a non-player and being inducted to the, the Packer Hall of Fame, which, by the way, I always thought the Packer Hall of Fame is, I guess Chicago could, could, uh, could argue as well. Is as close to being the NFL Hall of Fame. The, the names of the great players and coaches that are in the Packer Hall of Fame speaks for itself. And knowing that I was going to be a part of that spoke for itself. I knew that I didn't, I didn't need people to tell my stats to everyone. All they have to do is say that, that guy's in the Packer Hall of Fame. And if you walk through the Packer Hall of Fame, you will go, wow. What a list. So to be a part of that was something special. And that's what I kept thinking about that day going back to the Packer Hall of Fame that I, I earned it, but it was something that for 16 years, the, the fans and I, to me, did it together. You know, I, and I don't, I don't, I don't just say this. Of course, early in my career, I, I didn't understand it, but. As I look back, I knew that or know that that it was a perfect fit and it just happened to be the perfect timing. When I got traded to Green Bay, I didn't know where Green Bay was. I knew it was up north, but I knew Paul Hornin, Bart Starr, Willie Wood, Willie Davis, uh, Jerry Kramer, Ray Nitschke. I, I could go on and on. Played there. I knew that. And I knew that that was a hell of a place when it comes to football. That's all I knew. And it was everything I thought it was. And then some. The only problem was they hadn't won in 25 years. And I was asked that question maybe in my first press conference. And I said something to the effect. Uh, I didn't know that. Someone asked me if I, you know how long it's been since the Packers made the playoffs? I'm like, no. 25 years, and I thought to myself, well, we'll change that. And I may have even said something along those lines. But it was a perfect fit because, as you said, I wore my emotions on my sleeve. I was blue-collar. What you saw is what you got. Sometimes it wasn't pretty. But I gave you my best. And and that's the way Wisconsin is, you know, for it, I always say this to so many people. LA has had team after team after team with very little fan support. Yeah, they may sell out, but are the people really diehard Rams or Chargers fans? I don't know. Uh, but Packer fans grew up right, you know, right there by the stadium or in other I shouldn't even say the state of Wisconsin. Everywhere I've been, including overseas, I found Packer fans. And I go, I always ask the question, how did you become a Packer fan? Well, I, I saw Bart Starr run a quarterback sneak in 13 below and I was hooked. Or I saw you, you know, run around like you were crazy and throw one back to Sterling Sharp in the back corner and I was hooked. And they can be from anywhere. And no, 
That was for me. And in and, and Western New York, Brad, I told you. I mean, you're the reason I got into sports, let alone sports writing. It was that the bearing your emotions, play to play, going down swinging, as you just said, throwing it across your body with, with everything on the line. It was so relatable to anybody of any age, any part of the world that you just don't, you don't see out of professional athletes, let alone a starting quarterback. Yeah. You know, and, and I've said this to, to people and I think this can kind of give you an insight of my DNA, but I met, there was never any preconceived notions or celebrations or everything was spontaneous. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think people can relate to that, but I always thought to myself, one thing I did think about maybe prior to a game or prior to a season was I'm like, you know, play the game with this in mind. Everybody in the stands watching you and watching the team and cheering for you. If they could play the game, they would want to play it the way you play it. So play it like that. So I always would keep that in mind. Like if I could, you know, like I could just picture a fan up there or maybe home after a game. Like if I could play, I'd play just like far. Enthusiasm, love for the game, passion, loves his teammates, loves his fans, celebrates with us, cries with us. You know, he's one of us. And that, that was always in, in the forefront of my, my mind. I mean, even when you're going through shit, like the, the, the painkiller stuff. I mean, the world knew what you were going through, through rehab, coming back, saying this is Super Bowl or bust this season. Uh, I just think the fact that you were so open and transparent with your life was relatable too. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure people in Wisconsin love that aspect. They, they, you, you felt like one of them. They felt like one of you. And it was a relationship that I'm, I'm not sure there's any, I, I can't think of anybody in pro sports that, that, that operates that way. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Man. And, and it's, it's different. So Jordan Love is, is taking over this weekend against the Chicago Bears. He's been waiting three years. Your 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 takeover was abrupt. I was just catching up with Don Mikowski on the phone a, a couple days ago, actually. I mean, he is writhing in pain, tears the ligaments up in his ankle. Right then, you become the starting quarterback of the Green Bay Packers and everything that we just talked about, we, we see against the Cincinnati Bengals, right? Like the throw to Kittrick Taylor. Uh, although, you know, a little risky, not holding on to that extra point to win the game by a point. Like, where you, you let go because you didn't want your hand kicked. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Just ask the folklore. It yeah. does. It does. Someday uh, somebody will be showing that video and we'll both be gone, and they'll be like, are you kidding me? No, we're not kidding you. He did this. So you but really that, didn't want your hand kicked? But I never held before. Never. And it never expected to hold. I I probably practiced it three or four times because Don was the whole. Yeah, I mean, you don't, you get a couple reps kicking in practice. Well, like if they do, were doing pre practice reps, I, I was over there throwing or getting loose. I wasn't, so I had probably maybe five reps total. 
And I just, I didn't want to get kicked. Now, now that keep, keep in mind, I tried to say, have you ever seen a holder get kicked? And I, the answer to that is no. So why would you think you would be kicked? But I couldn't get over the fact that he may kick my finger. Like you may get stung by a yellow jacket outside, even though it's only happened once in your life, you know, like freaking out over something like that. I'll be the one who gets kicked after, after a dramatic touchdown pass. Um, but that just adds to, I mean, the list of stories. Being, being the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, it's, it's something special. You made it special starting with Bart Starr. And then it goes storm at 25 years. Hey, Lynn Dickey had some good times in there too. You pick it back up, change everything in Green Bay, resurrect the franchise with, with Ron Wolf, Mike Holmber and Reggie White. Aaron Rodgers takes over, picks up where you left off. And, and now it's Jordan Love's team. So what is possibly going through his mind as he takes over as the guy? And what kind of advice would you give? Jordan yeah. Love? I, I don't know if I have any advice for him, uh, other than just, Enjoy the ride. Um, you know, every player is different and every quarterback's different. Uh, he, you know, patiently has bought his time, whether he liked it or not. It, it is what it is. But I think what it, it, I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks who've played right away who've had success. There's a lot of guys who played right away who didn't have success. Peyton Manning went 0 16. I believe in his first year. You go, Peyton Man, when I was 16, that can, that can ruin a player or that can make a player better. I mean, Peyton's case, it made him better. Other players, not so much. With Jordan, he got to play a little bit, played well, played well enough to say, this kid's worthy of another shot. And he played again, the same thing. So I think he's, in his mind, he, I think he thinks that he can play. I think most people think he can play. There's not a, you know, for the length of time he's been with the Packers, there's not a lot of film of what he's done, but that, that's not necessarily his fault. Big shoes to fill. I don't think that that would affect him at all. I think if anything, he'll lean on that. Uh, I would. I don't think. It's fair to say he will be a player much like Aaron. I think he'll be different, but you'll see some, you know, throws or footwork or something that's similar to Aaron. That's understandably uh, a thing that happens all the time. Uh, but I think that the weight in the young cast of players. They'll, just like Aaron, when he took over, there was a lot of young players, James Jones, Greg Jennings, Donald Driver. Those guys related to Aaron much better than I. I. Nothing wrong with that, but, you know, a 10, 15-year age difference is a big difference. It doesn't mean you can't work well together. But, you know, you, you kind of have your little clicks, and they worked out together and thrown together, and they're ready. Well, they've waited. I know Jordan, George's case, he's waited long enough. Now's the time. And I, I, I hope he does well. I'm sure Chicago and the rest of the, the conference 
is thinking, finally, it's our turn to dominate. Did you have any of those? NFC North is still wide open. You know, to me, the team to beat may be Detroit. I agree. I mean, how many times have we said that? But, you know, Jordan may – you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that go, I hope he's not even close to Aaron's as good as Aaron was. So we finally have a chance. We'll see. That, that, you know, the anticipation is the worst. You're right. He, yeah, you talk about being nervous. I imagine the nerves will be, uh, will be palpable for Jordan Love when he steps out there and takes over as the guy. Oh. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, a lot of people have asked me about it. I really think that he'll, I think the, what people, the majority of people probably think it's going to be a lackluster experience with Jordan Love. And I think Aaron has kind of, his flight and longevity has kind of led to that, like a letdown from the, but I think he's going to prove a lot of people wrong how, for how long and for how, and, and how much. I, I don't know, but I think, I think he'll prove people wrong. Well, look, you're, I want to say the second season that you were starting was in 93. Yeah. Hell, he threw 24 picks. Um, Green Bay considered benching you, right? I mean, Mike yeah. Holmgren really had to kind of sit down with you, say, Hey, we're in this together. If we're going to go down, we're going down together. Uh, Mark Brunell was your backup, I believe, at that time. Yeah, Mark and Ty. It, it could have gone sideways. Sideways, like they, It took a, a moment for the Packers to have a little patience and let you work through some stuff as yeah. a quarterback. To turn that corner, you get to 94, you, you threw 33 touchdowns, and then 95, 96, 97, you're a three-time MVP with the Super Bowl. So there's, there's going to be a period here. Where Jordan Love's probably going to work through something. It's, yeah, you it's know, inevitable. There's a big difference between I and most quarterbacks, especially in today's game. In fact, I would, I would say all quarterbacks in today's game, young and old, are much different than I early on in my career. And what I mean by that is a lot, all these quarterbacks that are coming into the league today are, are like Jordan's case several years ago were almost ahead of the curve from a pro perspective, reading defenses, multiple coverages, throwing it out to the, you know, the, the stadium. You know, very few – I ran option offense in college. Yeah. You know, when I got to the, pro, the pros, now it wasn't run and shoot necessarily. A couple teams did it, but it wasn't wide open stuff. Big Herb has your, you know, in a run first offense back in high school. You're not going to these seven on seven camps and right. showcase so, you know, tournaments. You, you see where I'm getting at? These kids are much yeah. more conditioned to play right away than I was. So I had to learn as I played. It'd be like someone saying, I know you don't know Chinese, but I need you to go negotiate this big deal tomorrow in China. You know, that's kind of what it was like. But you had this skill, like you could throw it through a brick wall. Well, that's what you got had me. the strongest that's what got me arm. Yeah, you know, I mean, 
reading coverages and change employees. I did that early on. Most of the time it was wrong. I'd make a check. And Homer's famous last words is don't see ghosts. And, and I, I didn't really pay attention to that comment, but uh, after he left and further down the road, I, it made sense. Like you're seeing something that's not there. Why are you doing that? Because you haven't seen enough of it to learn. I think in Jordan's case, he's seen it now, not necessarily playing, but he's played a fair amount. But he's seen enough from the sidelines and in the meeting room with Aaron that he mentally he's there. Now he's just got to get out and apply it. You know, and this is such a great point too, Brett, because Jordan for three years has just been building in like a laboratory with Matt LaFleur and Steve Calhoun as private quarterbacks coach. And it's all behind the scenes. He's meticulously becoming everything that they would want in a quarterback. But I think a big reason they drafted him, too, is they saw that element of special in him at Utah State that last year. So many players graduated. So many players hurt. He's got to improvise. He's got to make plays. You can't forget that, right? Like, you can drop the perfect play and inject it into his quarterback brain, play to play, drive to drive. But at some point, these defenses are smart. And at some point, you just have to be yourself. I mean, you you were that to the extreme, but you know how important it is. Okay, like. Yeah, you got to read the coverage. You got to make the right decisions, but it's okay to let loose and, and play freely. Absolutely, I think that's a, a very important aspect of the game. Uh, Tom Brady, not so much, but he did it a different way. He was a he was a meticulous brain surgeon. Who, if he got flushed out of the pocket, more than likely he just throw it away and live for another day. Just that like you, my, right? That wasn't my mo. And. Quite frankly, that's kind of what lured Ron Wolf to make a trade. It wasn't because of my body, I played all four years at Southern Miss, but again, we, we threw it 20 times a game, maybe. We ran an option and tall sweep. We were in a high formation. We didn't, we didn't have multiple checks at the line of scrimmage. We didn't do a lot of that stuff. So he didn't, he wasn't basing his trade off of this guy knows the, the game. You know, it was this guy can, as he learns the game, can fight his way through it because of this improvisation and just will to win. He's a winner. And, uh, you know, it really comes down to when you're drafting a quarterback or trading for one, what it is you're looking for, you know. If you got a, an okay line and the quarterback's got to move around a little bit, then you, you probably wouldn't get a Tom Brady. Uh, you would probably go for someone who's more mobile and can make plays from anywhere on the field, running left, running right, can throw on a run, can, can make the first yeah. defender miss. Uh, you know, just a matter of preference of what you're looking for. Man, this has been great, Brett. Do you, do you, we gotta get your Super Bowl pick. Do you, do you have a prediction? Do you have any thoughts on the season? Well, I mean, I, you know, we haven't started the year. We're close, but you, I mean, the AFC, you have to admit, is the strong, strongest of the two conferences. They, the AFC, you got the usual suspects. You got Kansas City. There's no reason to think that they won't be competing for it again. Although 
Buffalo is hot on their heels. Throw the Jets in there with air. Whether you like Aaron or not, if, if, if you really didn't pay much attention to the Jets last year, and I didn't pay a great deal of attention, they got us a hell of a defense. But you didn't know it because they couldn't score points. Well, now they can score points. How will they fare not only in the league, but in the toughest division in football right now? Buffalo and Kansas City. Kansas City's not in their division, but, uh, but they'll have to go through them or Buffalo to get to it. But Miami's not bad. They're, they're hot on their heels, but I think. The NFC, you got, I think San Francisco will always be competitive. Will Dallas turn the corner and this be their year? There's a lot of unknowns in the NFC, certainly in the North. Uh, but the AFC seems to be more stable. Uh, you got the Chargers, Herbert. You don't hear a lot about him, but he puts up unbelievable numbers and they're quietly inching up the ladder. They just happen to be. In the Chiefs division. So I, 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 my early pick, not that I said, not because I like or dislike a team, it would be the Chiefs and the 49ers to, to play for it. Probably see a little bit of yourself in Patrick Mahomes. I mean, whether it's him or somebody else, is there a quarterback that you just love watching today? There's a fair amount. You know, Mahomes is, is, uh, is I would say Josh Allen is probably more like my style, but yeah. Mahomes is very similar. So I, I I do find myself gravitating more to them. Not I'm not saying I like them any more than the next, but that's kind of how I played the game. So I, I I see myself in them. But you know, you take a, a guy like Tua, and my good buddy Daryl Bevels down there is a passing coordinator, and I just am amazed. How many big plays that they can hit week after week? I'm like, you know, Tyree Kill's gonna go deep, but yet they still hit a 50, 70 yarder, 50 yarder, 60 yarder, 80 yarder. It just amazes me because in my career, I could count on one hand the times I had big plays like that. Um, but I can, there's a, a long list of good players. Do you think that the jujitsu stuff is going to help? Like, can he really learn how to fall more gracefully to avoid these concussions? No, I, I, think think that was, I think that was more smoke and mirrors. Um, I've never met two of but I think my biggest concern with him, if I was management, if I was medical, if I was a coaching staff, is his concussions. Serious issue. Not just for him, for everyone. And we're just scraping an iceberg of, how deadly or bad they are just for your life, for your, your long-term health. So it comes a point where enough's enough, and one or two more, they may be playing with a different quarterback. But I like his style. I definitely want to, you know, carve out time for some concussion talk at, at some point because, I mean, hell, I remember 04 you suffered a concussion against the New York Giants. You miss a play. You run back out there. You throw a touchdown to Javon Walker, and it's celebrated. It's you know part of yeah, your but, folklore. But the long term exactly. No one was thinking about that then, including me when I went back out on the field. 
uh, concussions then were not thought of as they are now, and they still have a long ways to go. But the the long term repercussions are not good, and that's at twenty three or thirty five, thirty. You don't think about it. You're like I'm bulletproof, and then it comes back to haunt you. And it could be one, or it could be twenty. That you know, it just depends. Do you want to be the one who had one concussion and can't remember your wife's name at fifty five? Or do you want to roll the dice and go through 20? It's a sensitive subject. How many do you think you had, Brett? Well, I know I had three major concussions where I blacked out. But I talked to Dr. Benjamin Amalu, who Will Smith portrayed in the movie Concussion. And I said, he asked me how many concussions. And this was, a, I think, a sarcastic, sarcastic question. How many concussions do you, did you have? And I said, three. He said, how about a thousand? And I go, no, three. He said, how many times did you see stars and have a ringing in your ears? But you played. Never came out and played. Remember to play the next play. And I thought to myself, and I go, I can't count that high. And he goes, that's a concussion. When you have ringing in your ears, dizziness, uh, you see a player get up and shake his head. Even though you're able to play and you're able to, if the coach said, Hey, how many fingers I got up? You see boxers, you know, get not woozy, but still fight. If you're not woozy, that's a concussion according to him. So from that standpoint, maybe thousands. Cause I, every time I slammed my head on the turf, there was fireworks or stars or ringing. Uh, echoing in my head. And he goes, that's a concussion. Everyone thinks concussion is knockout. Yeah, that is. But it's the jabs that do the, the worst. The sub-concussive hits that yeah. add up over time. That, that's where I was a little concerned here in Tua Tunga Viola at a press conference this offseason. Um, he said he consulted with a neurologist who informed him, look, you're not a lineman. You're not just blasted into other linemen 60 times a game, CTE isn't a concern for you long-term. I, I think it, I think that's a totally ridiculous statement. I don't care how educated. He's far more educated than I am. I think I fall back with, with Dr. Malu. The, the, it's, it's not the knockout blows that do the damage. It's the, the little what seemed like a harmless hit, but it, and bruising on the brain is a concussion. Bruising of the brain. How extensive right. doesn't really matter. The more extensive, the worse the concussion, but any bruising of the brain is not good. He even made a comment. He kind of chuckled. He said, remember the model probably said you're killing brain cells. He goes, that's true. You're not making any more. You you, get, you only got a limited supply. So it's like the uh, the first chapter in League of Denial, which you know uh, le- led to the movie that you referenced. I, I believe they describe a woodpecker, you know, banging his head against a tree. It's like because over time, the woodpecker's brain within the skull, um, natural selection, all of that. It's it's yeah. it's built for that. That that, that yeah. they can withstand that. Human beings 
We're not. But I also get free will. Football is the greatest sport on the planet. It should be championed. Um, that's where maybe concussions are not going to stop it, even though they should be. They should work more towards treatment rather than prevention, because you're not going to prevent concussions. And I don't think statistics have shown that concussions have gone down dramatically, if, if any. How are you today? Are, are you feeling good? I mean, we just heard over an hour of stories. Uh, sitting here, you seem sharp as hell. You know, I, I, I find that words and names sometimes don't come to me as quickly as they once did. Is that a result of football or just being over 50? Maybe a combination of both. Physically, I would say the biggest issue has been my back and hip. You know, uh, I, I suppose I'd rather that than head injury repercussions, but yeah, I've dealt with, uh, I had my hip replaced in January, had back surgery in May and may have to have back surgery again in the next month or so. Just depends. Is that right? Man. Yeah. Sessions or how serious we talking here. There's not a, I don't, when I wake up, fortunately right now, sitting and laying down, I would never know I had a back issue. When I stand up, when I walk around, mow the grass, go on a hunting trip, I'm constantly reminded that I got back issues. I lay back down or sit down, I'm good for now. But the old saying, and I've heard this so many times before, and this is before I had back issues. I kind of wrote it off, but you know, maybe a former player like, once you have back issues, you always have back issues. And I would think to myself, thank God I don't have back issues. And then two and a half years ago, my back started hurting and it's been a constant battle. I mean, daily. Some days, I mean, I'm still active. Some days I force myself to get out and do something. I don't, I don't sit in and lay around and never do that. But when usually I say, well, I'm going to go do this. Sometimes it's like, I think I'm just going to ride around, you know, uh, this drought doesn't help, man. You got to get the irrigation system going, work in the water yeah. tank down there. Well, as soon as we're done with this, I got to go. Water some trees. That's, that's easier on the back than some things, but nonetheless, stuff's got to get done. Well, let, let's let you get back to work down there, Brett. This was, uh, phenomenal. This was a great first show. I hope everyone enjoys it. And, and like we mentioned, uh, the VIP subscribers at Go Long at this point forward are going to be able to hang out with us right in this Zoom. Ask Brett Favre anything you want. Uh, we're all about community here at Go Long, and like I said, man, uh, being real, being raw, delivering pro football as it as it should be. So, Brett, th- thank you so much. That was awesome, and I, yeah. I can't wait for more of these. Let's let's just keep it yeah. real. Yeah, we'll have some fun. Fantastic. Thanks so much, everyone.